0: just give you a little context here in Daniel 2 before we launch into the passage. Um, Daniel is an Israelite, but he's not in Israel. He's in the land of Babylon, um, the the city of Babylon, serving King Nebuchadnezzar. He's serving a foreign king. He's one of his wise men. He's one of his counselors. Daniel has been captured, uh, as, as many other Israelites have. They're there by force, but Daniel has been assimilated into the Babylonian culture in terms of being a counselor to King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar has had a dream that he doesn't understand. And so Nebuchadnezzar has called together representatives from his wise men. Daniel's not there, but he calls in representatives from his wise men. And he says, I want you to interpret this dream for me. And that's something that they're used to doing. But, but Nebuchadnezzar is on their ways and he says, not only do I want you to interpret the dream, first of all, I want you to tell me what the dream was and then you can interpret it. And the wise men are taken aback and say, well, uh, no one can do that. <laughs> you know, you got to tell us the dream first and then we can interpret it for you in a very, uh, in a way that we, we we're sure that the king will like probably. Um, and the king says, no, you need to tell me, my mind is made up. You need to tell me what the dream is, and then I will interpret it. He says, we can't do that. And he basically says, off with their heads. <laughs> he says, uh, then all the wise men must die. All the wise men must die. And that includes the ones who aren't there as well. So let's pick up the reading in verse 14. Then, uh, well, verse 13. The decree was issued that the wise men were to be executed, and they searched for Daniel and his friends, to execute them. Then Daniel responded with tact and discretion to Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, who had gone out to execute the wise men of Babylon. He asked Arioch, the king's officer, why is the decree from the king so harsh? Then Arioch explained the situation to Daniel. So Daniel went and asked the king to give him some time so that he could give the king the interpretation. Um, and by the way, not just the interpretation, but the dream. You find out later that the Lord reveals the dream as well as the interpretation. Verse 17, Then Daniel went to his house and told his friends Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He told his friends about the matter, urging them to ask the God of heaven for mercy concerning this mystery. So Daniel and his friends would not be killed with the rest of Babylon's wise men. The mystery was then revealed to Daniel in, the, in a vision at night. And Daniel praised the God of heaven and declared, May the name of God be praised forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. He changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. I offer thanks and praise to you, God of my fathers. Because you have given me wisdom and power, and now you have let me know what we asked of you, for you have let us know the king's mystery. And so the Lord reveals to Daniel the dream as well as the interpretation. Now, our our, our topic today is not so much about the dream and its interpretation. So if you're curious about that, later on you can read through Daniel chapter two. What I wanted to focus on was the fact that Daniel praises God for his wisdom. And he praises God that God is wise and that God also imparts his wisdom to people like Daniel. Last week, we looked at God's wisdom and we answered the question, what does the Bible say about God's wisdom? And just summarizing what we talked about last week, God's wisdom is perfect and it's infinite. He has never done a foolish thing in his life or been tempted to. And by God's wisdom, we mean the fact that God always chooses the best goals and he always chooses the best strategies towards achieving those goals. We saw that his wisdom is evidenced in creation, in redemption, and in his providential direction of human history. We saw that wisdom, perfect wisdom, is possessed by not only the Father, but also the Son and the Holy Spirit. And finally, that God is the source of all true wisdom. That was the question last week. What does the Bible say about God's wisdom? This week the question is, how should we respond to God's wisdom? Since God is infinitely and perfectly wise, so what? (laughs) So what? So how do we respond to it? And I want to suggest to you three responses, three appropriate responses to God's wisdom. The first one is this, worship God for his wisdom. Worship God for his wisdom. That's exactly what Daniel does. The Lord imparts wisdom to Daniel, and he praises God for that wisdom. For instance, in verse 20, May the name of God be praised forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. People throughout the Bible are praising God for for his wisdom, and we should do the same thing. We should too. We marvel at, we humans, we people, marvel at understanding and wisdom. This has been going on throughout history. How many of you have heard of Aristotle? Some of you. How many have heard of Socrates or Plato? Okay. How do we know these people? They're no, they have a reputation for wisdom. They're famous because of their wisdom. What about the name Confucius? Yep. Because of his wisdom, his perceived wisdom. A lot of people who have never read the Bible have heard of King Solomon because of his reputation for wisdom. Who doesn't know the name Albert Einstein? Raise your hand if you don't know the name Einstein. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Peter, where'd you go to school? <laughs> Northside. And Andy Klein's going to have to work on it. Okay. Um, what's his reputation? Super smart, right? Um, the same with, like, Isaac Newton and perhaps uh, Benjamin Franklin for his inventive genius. We look up to smart people today. We look up to smart people today as a group. As a group, scientists are generally revered today because of their perceived intelligence and understanding. So are college professors. Um, So are rocket scientists and brain surgeons. Um, The point is that being wise is something that smart people are marveled at and revered for. So shouldn't we who love God marvel at him all the more because of how wise he is? I want you to recall two points from our discussion last week. All the collected wisdom, all the collected wisdom of all of human history is like baby talk compared to the perfect, infinite wisdom and understanding of God. It's not that human wisdom isn't wise. It is wise, but it's finite. It's limited. And compared to God's infinite wisdom, it pales in comparison. And then recall also that all human wisdom that is true wisdom from that is true wisdom comes from God. So, for example, Aristotle's wisdom, all of it that was true, came from God. When you consider that we revere wisdom in others, um, God's perfect, infinite wisdom should draw even greater reverence from you, even greater worship from you, as it did, for instance, from the Apostle Paul, when he said, oh, the depth, he he praises the Lord here, saying, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments And how untraceable his ways. We marvel at others for their wisdom and intelligence. The more you understand the wisdom and intelligence of Jesus. And the wisdom and intelligence of God. The more you will be in awe of him. And with Daniel you'll be saying may God be praised forever for his wisdom. So worship God for his wisdom. A second appropriate response is to trust and rest in his wisdom. Trust and rest in God's wisdom. There are some things, there are some things about you and about your life that are not open to change, um, and you should trust God's wisdom, and rest in God's ris- wisdom regarding those things. For instance, some things that aren't open to change about you is where you were born, or your gender, or your—I was going to say your hair color, but I guess that can change now, can it? Uh, your eye color, your skin color, your height. You know, your relative physical health, relatively speaking. You you know, or your overall healthy or overall not so healthy. Certain aspects of your personality are not open to change. Natural abilities abilities or natural disabilities. Who your parents were, who your relatives were, uh, how much or little they were involved in your life growing up, the town you grew up in, the country you grew up in, the place in history you are alive in, the laws of the land that regulate the behavior of you and your fellow citizens, uh, the schools you went to and the teachers that you had, uh, whether you went to church as a kid or not, who your pastor and Sunday school teachers were as a kid. These are a lot of things, just illustrative of the fact that there are many things about who we are and about our lives that were not open to change, at least by us. You may wish that some of those things were different than what they were or are, but do you believe in God's infinite, perfect wisdom? Then you need to trust God's wisdom in those areas and rest in his wisdom in dictating and allowing some of those things. Who knows how God is using even the really bad stuff in your life, really the bad the bad stuff in your past, for your good. Who knows how he's using that for your good. But if you're a believer, there's a promise that he is. That he is. So there are some things that are, we're not... Are not open to change, and we should trust god 's wisdom and we should rest in god 's wisdom you know I, just as a minor example i've had people who are not as tall of, tall as me talk com, say they wish they were taller okay short people uh, short people say they wish they were taller, and i uh, after I make fun of their height then no. <laughs> kidding but I, I try to point i try to point out to them if i'm being who i should be i try to point out to them god made you exactly the way he wanted you you're the perfect height for the way god wanted you to be so there are some things that are not open to change there are other things however that are open to change and god has given us at least a couple ways to go about changing things uh, work and prayer okay those are some things that we can do to change things in our lives Work, for instance, work in action can change things. We we work to improve our station in life, whether through seeking a better job, or working two jobs, or getting a better education, or moving to a better location, or improving our eating and our uh, and our exercise habits, or spending more time with someone we love or concerned about whatever. Or we work to improv- improve the lot of others through physical labor, or through counseling and encouragement, or through um, educating them, or whatever. And there are certain things that we try to change through prayer, too. God has given us this avenue, this wonderful opportunity to affect things for the good through prayer. So we pray about illness. We pray about relationships. We pray about jobs and bills and finances. Students pray about their tests. We pray about family. We pray about friends, the future, local problems, National problems, global problems, hoping for change. We pray about our personal habits. We pray about our susceptibility to temptation and so forth. Now you know that sometimes, no matter how hard you work, you don't achieve the goals that you want. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. And you know that sometimes when you pray, God doesn't, God answers prayer, but He doesn't always say, Yes, correct? Or yes, exactly the way you want it. Hard work doesn't always succeed. Sometimes the person works hard to be a millionaire and they achieve that goal. And sometimes other people are working for that, are also working very hard to achieve that goal and they never get close to that goal, even if they live to be a hundred. Or you work hard to get a promotion or a raise that never comes your way. Sometimes we pray that God will heal our friend And he says yes And sometimes we pray that God will heal our friend And he says no Or he says not in this lifetime So what do we do with the things That don't change like we want Even though we have worked hard And we have prayed hard for that change Right there right there, We trust in God's wisdom And we rest In God's wisdom You really want a particular job you pray about it. You do the best that you can in a job interview. You do research into the job so that you'll sound good on the job interview. You try to dress appropriately. Dress for success. All right. You do the you do the callbacks. Uh, call back to find out if you got the job, and then and then you find out that you don't get the job. Even then, you trust in God's wisdom. Always rest in God's wisdom, even when you're praying hard and working hard to get the job. Hard work and fervent prayer are good, but always under the umbrella of recognizing that God has the final say. And God knows what's best. So you do your best and you trust God with the rest. You do your best and you trust God with the rest. And this should, recognizing that you're under God's wisdom, this should bring a certain peace. Because you can trust God that He knows what is best for you. You know that kids, you know that kids sometimes really, really want something That is really really not good for them or really really is not the best thing for them But because of your longer experience, you know that what they want isn't really that great And so you deny them what it is that they want In many of your life matters You are like a little child compared to the wisdom of your heavenly father and of the lord jesus Thomas watson was a 17th century puritan pastor In one of his books on the basics of the Christian faith, he wrote this. He said, God sees what condition is best for you. Did we believe in the wisdom of God? It would keep us from murmuring, rest in God's wisdom. In other words, if you really believe in the wisdom of God, it would keep you from complaining, recognizing that God sees what is best for you. And there's an implication there is you don't see very clearly what's best for you many times, but God does. So if we trust in God's wisdom, it will keep us from complaining. I want to share with you just a few of the examples that Watson gives when he talks about God's wisdom. He says you should rest in God's wisdom when you are uncomfortable. When you are uncomfortable. And you can interpret uncomfortable in many different ways. He says God is wise. He sees that that it is good sometimes that you should be without comfort. Sometimes, whether it be physical comfort or Um, Emotional comfort or whatever sometimes comfort he says leads to pride and god sees that humility is better than your comfort So it is better to be uncomfortable and humble than to be comfortable and proud Or sometimes comfort being comfortable leads to complacency and god knows that wholeheartedness is better than happiness So it is better to be uncomfortable and wholehearted than to be comfortable And half-hearted or complacent you should rest in god's wisdom when you aren't healthy Rest in god's wisdom when you aren't healthy this doesn't mean that you shouldn't pray about getting better. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't go to the doctors. That's okay. God has provided medicine. Pray about it. Um, seek to get healthy. But if you, what happens if you don't get healthy? Um, what happens if it takes a while? God sees what is best. Um, Watson says, perhaps the less health, the less health you have, the more grace you receive. Weaker in body, the stronger in faith. Second Corinthians four sixteen. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. Even though the body gets declines, um, the the inner man, the inner person, is being renewed day by day. And sometimes there's a connection between those two. Sometimes people are drawn closer to the Lord and become more vibrant spiritually and more alive spiritually when they are in poor health. And we could we could. We could talk about people in this congregation who have been in this congregation before who've talked about things like that. I remember at a prayer meeting, at an elder's prayer meeting, Pastor Ryan and I and Walt Fluger, and I think it was just the three of us, and he said, I thank God for my cancer. I thank God for my cancer. Because it what had done it what had what it had done <laughs> on the inside for him. I remember Glenna Hershey talking about the tumor that she had, and while she didn't like The experience of that, what it did for her faith, she liked that benefit. Hebrews chapter 12 says, endure suffering, endure suffering as discipline. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the fruit of peace and righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So suffering brings about, can bring about great good in our lives in terms of peace and holiness. Watson says about this. He says, When God shakes the tree of the body, he is gathering the fruits of righteousness. When God shakes the tree of the body, he is gathering the fruits of righteousness. In other words, when, when God afflicts the body sometimes, sometimes what his intention is is to bring about greater holiness in one's life. You should rest in God's wisdom when money is tight. And when you've done every responsible thing to make it not tight (laughs) you know sometimes we get into sometimes we get into money problems because we've been foolish what if you what if what if you have worked diligently in order to um get out of debt and and to and to be uh to be in a in a in a in a in a safe place financially and it just hasn't gotten there need to trust and rest in the lord's wisdom Perhaps God sees that more wealth would be a snare to you. 1 Timothy 6.9 says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. So are you bothered by the fact that God has kept you from being snared? He will make you rich in faith. What you lack in material things will be made up in spiritual things. You are weak in wealth, God will make you strong in assurance. Trust and rest in god 's wisdom and the things you can 't change, and the things that are open to change and you think God is calling you to change, then pray fervently and work hard, but through it all and at the end of the day, trust and rest in god 's wisdom, no matter what the results are from your hard work and your hard per- and your fervent prayer. God is infinitely wise god 's love for you is an abounding Love And he is all-powerful. He is always working for your good as a believer. So trust him, even in the disappointments, even in the trials, even in the suffering, even in the long-term suffering. Trust him. When you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Trust in him. Lean not on your understanding. The third response then, third appropriate response to God's wisdom is this. Go to God for wisdom. Go to God for wisdom. That's what Daniel did. All right? Daniel needed wisdom. And what did he do? He and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went to the Lord for wisdom. We made the point last week that the Bible teaches that God is the source of all true wisdom wherever it is found, in the heavens or in human history. And as I mentioned last week, there are several places In the Bible where it says that God gave wisdom to someone, for instance, Joseph, God gave Joseph favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, Solomon, the famous wise man, God gave Solomon wisdom, very great insight and understanding. And we just read in Daniel, he gives wisdom to the wise. Why are the wise wise? Because they got their wisdom from God. If God is perfectly wise, it makes sense to go to Him for wisdom if He's willing to dispense it. And He is most certainly willing to dispense it. So I want to talk about two ways to go to God for wisdom. Okay? How do you get wisdom for God? How do you go to, how do you approach God for wisdom? Uh, one is through the Bible. Study the Bible. Study the Bible. It's a collection of wisdom. Study the Bible. Psalm 19. The psalmist says how I love your instruction. It is my meditation all day long. Your commands, your word, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are always with me. I have more insight than all my teachers. Why? Because your decrees, again, your word, is my meditation. I understand more than the elders. Why? Because I obey your precepts. Look at what the psalmist says here. The study of God's word makes him wiser than his enemies, wiser than his teachers, and wiser than his elders. Study, studying scripture on a regular basis gives you wisdom. Studying the Bible makes you wise. Students are going back to college. Consider, consider the scenario. Consider the scenario where um, uh, a college student is going back to college. And she has studied the Bible and she has read the Bible and meditated upon the scriptures on a daily basis. And that's her regular habit. And she ends up in a class with a a professor who is an agnostic or an atheist who has who has no regard whatsoever for the scripture. Which one is wiser here? Well, the professor might be smart in terms of his particular field of study, and he can certainly possibly impart likely impart Knowledge with regards to his field of study that this young student didn't know. But in terms of the most important things in life, the wiser one is this student who has a regular habit of spending time before God in God's Word. I often, in this regard, I often think of, uh, Stan's father being my grandpa-in-law <laughs> who had an Eighth grade education, and uh, and uh, so that's all the farther he got. But he, in terms of scripture, he was in the scriptures all the time, constantly studying and reading the scriptures. He's far wiser than many PhDs in this country because of the curriculum that he involved himself in in the Bible, studying the Bible regularly enables you to grow into in wisdom paul wrote this to timothy he said to timothy from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in christ jesus all scripture is breathed out by god and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of god may be complete equipped for every good work psalm 19 7 says that the testimony of the lord is trustworthy Making the inexperienced wise. The testimony. The word of the Lord is trustworthy. Making the inexperienced or making the simple wise. Do you want to be wise as you navigate life? Immerse yourself in the Bible. Read it every day. Study it. Ponder it. And you will begin to gain wisdom. And the more you read it, the wiser you will become. Are there things that you won't understand in the scriptures? Absolutely. Absolutely, that will be the case. But the more you read, the more you will understand. And later, when you come back to a passage that has puzzled you for months or for years, um, all that studying in other passages, those other passages will begin to shed light on some of the things that uh, you haven't understood. But even as you begin to read, there will be some things you don't understand, but even as you begin to read and study, there will be things that you understand right away as well. And the more you read, the more you study, the more you will understand, and the wiser you will become. The wiser you become, not for the sake of reputation, not for the sake of of fame, but simply in order to navigate life, in order to navigate the routine, in order to live more wisely with your family and your friends and your co-workers, but also in terms of uh, when surprises come up, when unexpected things come up, it will lead to wisdom as well. The Bible is a lifelong curriculum for growing in wisdom. And it not only provides answers for you, but it also provides you with a framework and a worldview and an outlook, and it shapes your attitude. It not only affects your mind, but it also affects your heart, and it affects your will. You say, I don't like to read. Um, Then listen to it. Especially in our day and age, there's multiple opportunities to listen to it, whether on your iPod or CD player or through the Internet, or there's probably other ways I'm not that tech savvy. So... There's probably other ways in which you can listen to it. Turn off the radio and listen to it while you drive. And now you say, well, now you're meddling because I like to listen to the radio when I drive. Well, I would have said turn off the TV, but you would have accused me of uh, meddling there too. Um, somehow, though, you have to put first things first in your life. Somehow, you have to put first things first. TV may entertain you. The radio in the car may help you to unwind. But studying the Bible... Uh, provide you with far greater benefit. I'm not saying cut out TV altogether. I'm not saying cut out the radio altogether, unless you feel like the Lord is leading you to that. But give up some time, somewhere in order to make time for the study of God's Word. Clear space in your daily life for it. Um, J.I. Packer uh, once wrote, It is to be feared that many today who profess to be Christ's never learn wisdom. Why? Through failure to attend sufficiently to God's written word. What fools some of us are, and we remain fools all our lives simply because we will not take the trouble to do what has to be done to receive wisdom, which is God's free gift. One way to go, one way to go to God for wisdom is to study the Bible. The second way is this. Ask Him for it. Ask Him for it. This comes right out of James 1 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. That's a pretty clear verse. If you're seeking wisdom for something, then ask God for that wisdom. Do you need wisdom in parenting? Pray for it. You need wisdom in how to handle a particular situation? Pray for it. Do you need wisdom? With a possible job change, ask God for that wisdom. Do you need wisdom in a decision that needs to be made? Ask God for it. Go to God for wisdom. When Sarah and I are looking, when, when we go car shopping, when we're shopping for a car, we pray about it. We ask God for wisdom. When I'm meeting with someone to discuss something that uh, is potentially difficult, I pray for wisdom. When I'm surprised by an unpleasant situation, I pray for wisdom. Now, I should... I should tell you that the background for this second way of going to God for wisdom, the background for that is the first way. In other words, when you, when you ask God for wisdom, it's much easier to understand God's, wisdom, God's answers if you've been studying the Bible regularly. Because often when we pray for wisdom, the Holy Spirit reminds us of things that he's already taught us in the scriptures. So study the Bible and ask God for wisdom. Now some of you might think, oh, wait a minute. I haven't started my regular Bible habit, habit, my Bible reading habit yet, so I can't ask God for wisdom. That's not true. <laughs> Go ahead and ask God for wisdom and also start this regular study of God's Word. Um, God is gracious and He can, He can provide wisdom for those who ask for wisdom. And I want you to consider the context of James 1-5 uh, as well. It's the ver- three verses before it. The context is is trials. The context is suffering. James says, "...consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, but endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault." And it will be given to him. The context here is various trials. God is especially sensitive to the fact that believers who are going through hard times of one kind or another may especially feel at a loss, may especially be grasping for wisdom. Difficulties and trials often highlight the need for wisdom. And God says, what? Ask me. Ask me. Do you see that there? Ask God. Pretty direct. It's pretty clear. Ask God. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. And note then the graciousness of the rest of the verse. Is he going to belittle you? Is he going to say, you should have asked me sooner? Or is he going to, no. Who gives generously to all without finding fault. God is infinitely wise. God is perfectly wise. Therefore, therefore what? Therefore, we should admire him. We should revere him. We should be in awe of him for his wisdom. Therefore, we should trust in his wisdom. Because God is infinitely wise, we should rest in his wisdom. And because God is infinitely wise and he is willing and disposed to sharing his wisdom, we should go to him for wisdom by studying the Bible daily and by asking him for that wisdom. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.